part. And even today, Paula laughs at me. I I love to watch football games by myself. And then I'll I'll watch them after I watch them. And I sit there with a little uh, remote control, or the Greek word for remote is clicker. And I sit there with a clicker, and I'll just run it back, and I'll run it back, and and I'll watch different guys and what they do. And and just the, the, the layer of detail that happens... And um, I remember, uh, you know, now they, they, they do all of this stuff at the line of scrimmage. And we would have scripts, S-C-R-I-P-T. And we would memorize ten plays. And you had to know the play. You had to know the stat, snap count. And you had to know what you were doing. And we would memorize ten plays. We'd run play one. And we'd get up and know what we're doing in the second play. And we practice these during during the week. We didn't do it every week, just a couple of times a year because it got predictable, but we would run different plays depending on different formations and so forth. And so uh, you, you would run those to surprise the opponent. You had to memorize uh, formations. You don't just call a play, um, I formation right, gold set, and call the snap count and all that kind of thing. You had to prepare. You had to prepare your mind. It was just uh, you talk about a, a good training uh, academically to help you focus. Uh, boy, there's nothing like sports if, if you're going to do it correct to help you to be able to do that. But there always comes unknown factors that come into that. I remember um, Grissom, Laurie Robinson was the coach for Grissom. He was John Meadows who coached for Butler where I went. And they were they were close friends. Well, Grissom started, I think, in 1971. That's where Kathy and Pam went. And uh, so Laurie was a coach at Butler, and then he went over to Grissom with John Childers and others. And they were all uh, Butler people. And so uh, they competed real heavy. And so he, it was a real big rivalry and they had a lot of surprises always for coach. One year they came out with big splits. That means uh, the space between the linemen, between the guards and the tackles and the tight ends and so forth. And it's usually just about, you know, 18 inches, depending on what play. If it's a real short yardage play, you're really tight splits. Otherwise, well, Grissom would come out from about from, from these three chairs. So you had the center and then the guard would would be here, and then the tackle, they'd be spread all across. So you didn't know, and so the first play, you were confused, and then the tackle would be over here, and then you had all of this space, and you weren't prepared for it. We had to waste the time out, and really not waste it, I guess, and make an adjustment quick. And then they did some other stuff the next year. And so it doesn't matter how well you prepare Mentally, even if you're really sharp and you get your day planner out and say, okay, I know things are going to happen, but things are not always going to to work out. That's why the best football teams and the best coaches are those that make the best adjustments at halftime because things are not going to work out for you. And so in that respect, football is a good metaphor for life. We prepare the best we can. But baked into those preparations, sometimes are expectations. Now listen to me, that w- this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to run this play and it's going to happen. No, it's not. I'm going to plan my week and this is going to happen. I'm going to plan my life. We're going to get married. I'm going to take this job and this is going to happen. Inevitably, things are not going to work out the way you think. Somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's going to lose a job. Someone's going to die. There's going to be a reversal. There's going to be a loss. There's going to be a a failure somewhere. There's going to be an obstacle. And this was a situation when Israel, the nation faced, God had given them a promise. They're going into Canaan, a promised land. God had made them a promise. And so they were in the desert for 40 years. They weren't supposed to be there. God judged them for their unbelief. So now he's about to take them into the promised land with a new leader, Joshua. 
Well, now here's another obstacle. Joshua 3.15 says it was at flood stage. They can't get across. Even if it wasn't at flood stage, they're not going to be able to get across. But now it's absolutely impossible for them to get across. He brought them to a place of absolute impossibility. So here's the question. What do you do? What do you do? What does your family do when you prepare all you know how, but your preparations aren't sufficient? What do you do? Well, it's given to us some principles. We want to look at two this morning. In Joshua chapter 3, notice in verse 1, Joshua 3, 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning. They removed from Shedem and came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over, that is, the Jordan River. And it came to pass after three days, it took them a day, day and a half to get there from where they were at, and then they got there and they rested, and the third day they were making preparations, that the officers went through the host. And this is the delegation, this is the, the way they organized things, because there were several million, three and a half, four million people. And they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord... Sixteen times in Joshua 3 and 4, I think 12 times in Joshua 3, that expression, Ark of the Covenant, the Ark, the Ark of the Lord is used. It's the key idea here. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. And the priest, the Levites bearing it, they're the only ones that could touch it. Then you shall remove from your place and go after it. That is, follow the Ark of the Covenant. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, that is the ark, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That was 3,000 feet. A cubit is from your elbow to the tip of your fingers, about 18 inches. You can do the math. So over half a mile, stay away from the ark. And there's a reason I'll share with you in a moment. That ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Now, I've had you to mark some things in verse 4. These two very powerful promises and comforting promises He says that you may know the way by which you must go. He's promising them direction. And then he says, you have not passed this way before. Sometimes we say, well, God, I I don't know what to do. Well, here's, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how, they knew what they were supposed to do. They didn't know how to do it. He said, you you haven't gone this way before, but I'm going to show you that you may know the way which you must go. I like that little chorus we used to sing. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. And then in the next verse, he says this, Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. As you follow the ark, which is a symbol for the presence of God, the next day, he's not telling them all the wherewithal, God's going to do wonders among you. The word wonders there has the idea of things that are difficult, they're hard, they're great. It really means things that inspire wonder in your heart. They inspire awe. It, it means something that is distinguished from everything else. Now, they, they knew that it was going to have to be a miracle and something special, but they weren't looking for the miracle. They were just trying to get into the promised land. You know, sometimes you're just trying to survive. Sometimes you're just trying to obey God. And God says, I'm going to lead you, but as I lead you, and as you obey me, as you follow me, I'm going to do wonders for your life. So here's the the statement. This is the big idea for the message, that when you follow God's direction, you will find God's best. Whenever you follow God's direction for your life, you always find God's best for your life. Always. God always gives His best to those who leave the choice to Him. So you you find God's direction, you find God's best. And the corollary, the opposite of that, is when you don't find 
God's direction. You do what you want to do. You don't get the best. Now, there are some principles here in the passage to help us find God's best. One I've already given to you. I'll just spend a moment or two here. You must get a word from God. If you want to follow the Lord, you must have His direction. You must have His word. And that's why in verse 1, the Bible says that Joshua got up early in the morning. Now, I've heard people say, well, uh, he was an early riser, so he was disciplined. Well, that's true. But he, was, he wasn't doing that to go do aerobics. Uh, Joshua 1.8 said he was doing that so he could meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. And then he told the people to do what he was doing to follow the ark of the Lord. The ark of the Lord being the presence of God. And then when they began to, they began to, to cross over. And, and what happened is, is the people were organized around the camps by, by their tribe. And the tribes had leaders. And as officers went through the camp by the tribes, they said, okay, here's the plan. It's going to take three days. And they explained it to them. And so this tribe got ready. And then they, they traveled according to their tribe. And so the leaders of the tribe, when they saw, watch this, when they saw the ark begin to move, notice in verse 4, there shall be a space between you and it, the ark, 2,000 cubits by measure, come not near unto it. In the Old Testament, one man died because he touched it. He, you're not to touch it, carry it. On your shoulders, they had these poles, there were loops through it. In order that you may know the way which you must go. And he said, I want you to, to provide this distance, this over half a mile, this 3,000 feet, so, so that, they, watch this, all the tribes, they had 2,000, they had 3,000 feet over half a mile, so all of them could see the ark. And and, uh, the details are put in the Bible for a a purpose so so that they they could follow God's direction. So wherever God's direction leads you, you you go in that direction. Wherever the presence of God leads you, the Word of God, the God of the Word leads you. Some of you know the Word of God, but you don't know the God of the Word. You know the written word academically, but you don't know the incarnate word personally. Now, up until this time, they had been in the wilderness. And now God was going to lead them with his presence. With the ark. And in the wilderness, he had led them with the ark. But in the wilderness, he also led them with his presence in a different way. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21, And the Lord went before them. He went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud. Now watch this. To lead them the way. To lead them the way. There, there was a cloud in the daytime shaped like a pillar. And God was in that cloud, the Shekinah glory, the very presence of God, leading them in that cloud. He just didn't create a cloud. He was in the cloud leading the people. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light because they were resting. And then to give them light in the camp. To go by day and night. God was there. In your night hours, not just when the sun goes down, but in the night of your heart, in the dark times. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before his people. A different method, but the same principle. God was leading them, and he was saying, to keep your eye on me. Don't get your eye off the pillar. Don't get your eye off the ark. Don't get your eyes out of the book. Don't keep your ears away from the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. And that's why Joshua got up early in the morning. He, he was the leader. He, he led them there. It's, it's so vital. You know, when you read the Bible, the Bible is a living book. And so it's different than any other book. It's not just ink on pages. 
when you read the Bible, the Bible speaks to you. Whenever you, uh, we had such a, a good uh, class this morning in our life group uh, with the Word of God and, and biblical principles, and God spoke to our hearts. If you go to your class and, and this service, and one of the characteristics of our church is we are a word-driven church. We're biblically centered. And uh, we, we just don't throw verses up on the screen, you know, by accident. Uh, this, this is a word-centered church. And, and if, if you go to our church and you read the Bible and God doesn't speak to your heart, He doesn't stir your heart, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Almost a day doesn't go by where Paula doesn't share with me something that she got from the Bible. She'll say, I was reading this morning, and, and the other days aren't because she didn't read. It's just on some days she got something special, or maybe she has a question or something. But God, God is speaking with her, and I will share with her things that, that I'm learning. It's God speaking to you, not just in, a, in an academic sense, but, but, but in a challenging sense. Does He deal with you? I want to share some of these scriptures with you because I think this is important. Because if we're going to keep our eyes on the ark, and I use that as a metaphor, on the presence of God, you must know that God is speaking through His Word. It's called, He's the living Word, the incarnate Word. This is the written Word. Well, the Word speaks, and the Word is speaking to comfort, to convict, to challenge, to correct, but also to lead, to guide. And He wants to help you. And that's what He did here in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4, to take them to places they'd never been before. And that's why Joshua got up in the morning, and that's why God gave them the ark. And some of us get into trouble because we're not... We're not following the Word of God. After Jesus was raised from the dead, there were disciples on a road going to a village of Emmaus, and Jesus in His resurrected body, they didn't recognize Him. And He had, uh, he had fresh wounds, not scars, in His hands and in His feet and in His side, but, but they didn't see those. And he began to open the scriptures to them about himself. And initially, he said, what's going on? They said, have you not heard? What's going on in Jerusalem? They were going back home. He said, what's going on? And they told him. And then he began to basically give a Bible conference in the Old Testament scriptures from the prophets and the Psalms and from the law. And he began to explain who the Lord Jesus Christ was. And they were filled with wonder. And then they realized who he was, so they went to a meal with him. And then in Luke chapter 24 and verse 32, the Bible says, And these two disciples said one to another, Did not, watch this, Did not our heart burn within us while Jesus talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? One man said they had holy heartburn. Does your heart ever burn? Or stir when you read the Word of God, when you hear the Bible taught. I love the Word of God. And, and I, I do love it in, in its order and, and the way and its wonder. I, I love it for that sense. But I love the Word of God because of, of what it does for me and, and how the Bible helps me and comforts me. I love the Bible. It, it does make my heart burn. It speaks to me. And I'm going to give you some scriptures from Jeremiah here. Jeremiah had a very difficult ministry. If we measured success in Jeremiah's ministry by today's terms, he was a failure. He had a very difficult ministry. Many times he wanted to quit. In Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, he said, Thy words to God, thy words were found, and I did eat them. What does that mean? He assimilated he appropriated the Word of God. He didn't just, you know, scatter over them. He's comparing the Word of God to food. He said, I appropriated that food to myself. I meditated on them. 
It's like I ate the word of God. He knew it literally. It's, it's a picture. They became part of me. And thy word was unto me the joy. Look at this. The joy and the rejoicing of my heart. The Bible will change your spirit. It will change you. It will give you joy. The Bible, he will give you joy. God will through his word will change you. Jeremiah wanted to quit. He was so tired. His life was threatened. He was in prison. And when he was in prison, he was in a pit with with rats and, and mud and filth and all kinds of, of waste. He was in a bad situation. In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, then Jeremiah said, I will not make mention of him. Of who? Of God. He said, I'm quitting. This is what it's about. I'm finished. I'm, st- I'm not going to preach anymore. Nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was, look at this, in mine heart. I have this underlined. It's not just something he was familiar with. The word had been in his heart. It was still there. It was still resident. And as he thought about it, he said, It was as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing. The word weary means tired. Forbearing means to hold back. I was holding back. He said, I had quit, and I could not stay. That means quit. I had I had foreborne my my activities, but I was tired, but I couldn't stay. I couldn't quit anymore because the Word of God was like a fire in my bones. And the reason we quit, the reason we get discouraged is because the Word of God is not in our hearts. It will be a burning fire. I like this one. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the word of God is quick. Old English word, it means alive. The Bible is different. When you read it, it's not like Shakespeare. It's not like famous authors. It's, it's alive when you read it. It, it. it jumps out on the page at, at you. It speaks to you. It's powerful. The Bible's powerful. It's like, a, it's like a sword that's two-edged, that's sharp, but it's sharper than a physical sword. Because it doesn't just pierce to the joints and marrows. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. The soul is that part of man that everybody has. It's the principle of life. Lost people have the soul. Spirit is the part that that God inhabits. Your spirit is dead. When you meet Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell. And the, the Bible begins to... To, to speak to your soul, to your spirit. And I think he talks about the joints and marrow because a Levitical priest would take a knife and, and as he began to cut up the sacrifice, uh, he would literally divide the joints. And as he would cut into the, the joints, the joints would cut into the bone and the bone would cut into the marrow. And the idea is to the innermost part of the animal. And here's what he's saying, to the innermost part of the person, even the soul, the spirit, to the discerning, the Bible says here, to the discerning of the thoughts, not just the thoughts, but the intents of your heart. It's that powerful the Bible is. The Bible's powerful, it's alive. But we don't we don't spend time in the Bible. We don't let the Bible speak to us. We don't meditate, we don't ponder on it. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for four things. But I like that word, it's profitable. You know what it means? It means it's to your advantage. The Bible's advantageous. Did you know that if you know the Bible and you love the Bible and you have an arsenal of scripture in your heart, that you have an advantage over other people? Did you know that if you know the Bible about your marriage and about parenting and about your work that you have an advantage over other people. If you have a biblical philosophy in your life in different areas, you have an advantage. Your philosophy will determine your methods. It will determine your tenure. It determines so many other things. 
But if you, if you don't have a, a biblical philosophy, you're, you're left to flail. You're, you're left to the openness of the philosophies of the world. And, and you need to know what, what the Word of God says. You, you get biblical advantage in life. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, there's that word again, that makes alive. The Spirit quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The word nothing there means this. It means not even one, none at all. It means absolutely nothing. Your flesh doesn't profit anything. It's the same word in John fifteen five. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Nothing. Your flesh profits you nothing. You can work hard. There are some things you can do in your flesh. But in the long run, in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom of God, your flesh profits nothing. But the words, Jesus said, that I speak unto you, they are spirit. Look at this. And they are their life. Their life. I like to send texts to my kids with, with quotes and, and things and, and little paragraphs from books that I'm reading. But the most important things that I send them are, are scripture verses. Because that's life. That's where life comes from. Jeremiah, again, the great man of God, in Jeremiah 23, 29, uh, the Bible says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord? The Bible's like a fire. It burns, it purifies, it consumes. It consumes me. And the word of God is like a hammer that breaks a rock. In pieces. The Word of God can warm my cold heart, and the Word of God can, can, can break a stony heart. Use the Word of God. Use the Word of God. Use it on yourself. I like this one. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received... He used this word two times. The word of God, which he heard of us, he received it not as the word of men. As it is the truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You received the word of God. You received it not as the word of men. You received it. The word received there means to, to welcome someone warmly and go on a journey with them. It's an intentional act. It's not accidental. You don't drift into you don't drift into effectiveness. You don't drift into a walk with God. It's intentional. I was at a funeral yesterday and uh, I saw one of my second cousins. His mother Actually, he's my third cousin. His mother is my second cousin. And he said, um, I came to your mom's funeral, which was three years ago this past December. And he said, your mother's funeral was one of the most inspiring things I've ever been to. I said, well, thank you. That's what I said. I didn't know what to say. I said, well, thank you. And then he kept going. He said, I, I just was captivated by by the intentionality of her life and he said I, I still think about the power of just writing notes to people that you can make a difference in someone's life by writing notes I never forgot that it, it, it just it stayed it just stayed with me and here you have you receive the word of God the intentionality of of paying attention. You know, this life group we had this morning with our group, and, and yours too, whatever you did in yours. But I'll speak for ours. We had enough truth in what we had to transform a marriage, just, just in the time we had. But there were some people that are going to be more intentional than others about it. 
And the same thing, the same thing with, with preaching and teaching. It's like the four soils in Matthew chapter 13, Mark 4. The seed is still powerful, but it's, it's the soil. The soil is different. You, you must receive the Word of God because the Word of God effectually works also in you that believe. Those two words, effectually work, they're used in other places in the Bible, but they're, they're one word in the original language. It means to work in a mighty way. It means it's able to fulfill its purpose in a very effective way, its intended purpose. And, and I, I wrote this down. It is the external expression of an inner working, effectually work, worketh. The external expression of an internal working. God is working inside, but, but that inner working comes on the outside. As you believe, you receive, you believe, and then there's the effectual working of God, the transformation in your life. A few more, Psalm 119 and verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. The entrance, the word entrance there means to open a door. There's a visitor. You open the door. It's intentional. Come, come on in. And it has the idea of disclosing personal information. It's a friend. The entrance of a door gives a light. Now, anytime you encounter the Word of God, anytime you, you open God's Word and they, they enter your mind, not just where they run across there real fast, but they enter your mind and your soul Light comes in, and the purpose of the light here, the Bible says, it giveth understanding unto the simple. It gives you understanding. It gives you direction. Oh, I, I see that. I didn't know that before. How about discouragement? Psalm 119 and verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction. The word hath quickened me, made me alive. The Lord quickened me in my affliction. It comforted me. The word quickened there means to revive, to give life, to restore, to nourish, to repair. It repaired me. It restored me. It nourished me. The Word of God did. I'm not against podcasts and I'm not against other things, but, but the, the, the Word of God, meditating, eating the Word of God, as it were. Jeremiah said, I have it in my heart. Again, the idea is given to us here in Psalm 119 and verse 93. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. You've restored me. You've nourished me. I didn't forget them. They stayed with me. Here, here, here again is a value of writing things down and then reviewing them and going back, making them a part of your life. This is perhaps one of the greatest sections on the value of the Word of God in the Bible. It's Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Present tense. Converts my soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It gives you a bright countenance. The fear of the Lord is clean. That means without flaw, without stain. It's pure, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, by what? By the word of God is thy servant warned, and also by them, in keeping of them, there is great reward. Now, I put this in here because I want you to see that the Bible is worthwhile to be pursued, but if you if you will do this... You will do these eight things, and I'm not going to comment. I'm just going to read them. 
If, 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 then God will do this for you. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1. My son, if thou wilt, number one, receive my words. Number two, hide my commandments with thee. I think that has to do with memorizing. Number three, incline thine ear into wisdom. That's the opposite of reclining, but you're inclining, you're leaning in. Number four, apply thine heart to understanding, application. Yea, if, here's another if, if thou criest after knowledge. This is prayer. Number six, lifteth up thy voice for understanding, praying, asking God for help with what you're reading. If, here's another if, if thou seekest her as silver, here you're paying the price of studying, seekest her as silver, and searchest, number eight, again, paying the price, as for hid treasures because of the value, these these eight eight things, these eight, eight disciplines, eight actions, if, 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 then... Then, if you do this, here's what God says, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Someone said we stop growing when the price gets too high. And I think that's true. But we also stop making good decisions when the price gets too high. We just kind of put it in neutral and, well, I kind of know how to, I'll just have a little devotional time here. We stop really meeting with God. We're not following the ark anymore. We don't have the presence of God in our life. We're not, we're not following Him. We're just going through the motions. So let the Word of God, as you read it, let it read you. And here's what will happen. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the left. Psalm 143 and verse 8, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. This is worship. Loving kindness is a word for grace in the Old Testament. I love this word. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. This is my priority, walking with God. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way. See this? I'm walking with God. God causes me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. So you have worship, then you have prayer. And God says, then you're going to know the way. So many times, oh God, I want to know the way. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know. You need to help me. And God said, well, just slow down. We talked about this Wednesday night in our group about Martha and Mary. Just spend some time with me. Just worship me. Just pray. Just, just talk to me. And then I'll, I'll show you the way, and you'll know the way. You know this verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't come up with a scheme. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. The word acknowledge means to know Him. Perception is a result of personal knowledge. Acknowledge Him. Don't acknowledge your plans. It's not wrong to plan, but your plans are submitted to His will. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will, He shall direct, He shall direct your paths. You're, you're following God's presence. You're following the Word of God. Get a word from God. I like this. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. That's a promise. You ever thought about this? I will guide thee with mine eye. Now, very few people do that. You know who guides you with guides you with their eye? Somebody loves you. My wife guides me with her eye, my kids. I guide her. I guide my kids, especially when they're younger. You know, when you give them the eye. 
know, when they're about to say something or they've said something like, you know, it's 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 the idea of a sensitive, a sensitivity to not just the voice of God, but 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 sensitivity to to the move of God. God's not shouting at you. And he says there, he says, I will instruct you and teach you. Get a word from God. And then write this down. I won't say much about this. I'll spend some time with this next week. And then do what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you to do. After you get a word, do what he tells you to do. God's not going to tell you what to do if you are not intent on doing it. I remember being in Dr. Porter's class as a freshman in Bible college, and he made this statement. I wrote it down. It helped me. He said, God will not show you His will to consider. God will not show you His will to consider. Get a word from God, and then do what He tells you to do. I want you to look at verse 3. Notice what it says there. It says, remove from your place and go after it. That is the ark. Now, when they went after the ark, this was not just a change of geography. This was, this was, a, this was a, a shift in the nation's history. This was a seminal event in the history of the nation. They were to remove where they were and they were to go after the ark. So we're not just talking about, stay with me here, we're not just talking about obedience, but we're talking about the result of obedience. This was a tremendous impact upon the nation, upon them, and upon their children and their ancestry. Growth always means change. Obedience always means change. But backsliding is a change. But initially it's a plateau. But the Christian life was never meant to be plateaued. You're either going forward or you're going backward. But God wants you to change. Someone said this, that all improvement requires change, but all change is not improvement. So here's my question for you this morning. What is God telling you to remove from and to go after? Because that's what he says there. In chapter 3 and verse 4, he says, I want you to remove and I want you to go after it. Remove and go after it. Remove from your place and go after it, verse 3. And I want you to notice this. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, when you get a word from God, then, see then, Remove your replay and go after it. It's not something that you you come up with. You don't create, okay, I, this is what I've always wanted. No, no. You follow what God tells you to do. You go after it. Go, go, go after God's Word. Go after His what He tells you to do. Even if it requires faith, because it required a lot of faith for them to cross Jordan. So what changes have you made in your life in 2022. You know, we're all the time talking about, well, this is a new year, I need to make some changes. But what changes did you make this past year? Uh, do, do you have an attitude of repentance? Here's a good question. When was the last time you repented? When was the last time you, you changed something? I'm not talking about move the couch in your room. I'm talking about changed for you. I've had to make some adjustments and changes in my life. This 2022, and I, I was thinking about this last night, has been the most difficult year in my life. And, but there's a season. It's not just 2022. It's, it's, it's a season that goes even before that that was difficult, and it's just gotten more difficult. And I don't mean that like you haven't. Some of you have had more difficult times than I have. I'm thinking about someone here this morning, in fact, had a very difficult season. But the mercy, the grace, the strength of God has helped me and has helped our family. 
And but it's it's required some growth. It's required some changes. It's required repenting. Changes in perspectives, changes in habits, changes in approaches, changes in schedule, changes in my heart. There's a word for this. It's repentance. And I've taught you this before, but I want to say a word about this now. At, at the root of repentance, it means to change your mind. Repentance is not changing your behavior. That's a result of repentance. Sometimes I say, repentance is this. It's going this way in 180 degrees. That's not repentance. That's the fruit of repentance. You can do this and not repent. And the reason I'm being technical about this is because it's important. You can do this and reform. Repentance is a change of mind. That's what the word literally means. It leads to a change of heart. That leads to a change of behavior. And if you don't change your mind, your heart won't change, and your behaviors won't last. That's why repentance is an ongoing thing. So when you, when you see the ark, here's what he says there. Remove from your place... And go after it. What is, what is God speaking to you about in your personal life, in your marriage, in your family, in our church, in your work, in your occupation? What is God speaking to you about that, that you need to go after? What changes do you need to make? Not just externally, but internally for the long haul. Now, I close with this. You never can tell what an obedience, because obedience always involves change. What one small obedience can involve. What appears to be a small event, a small obedience, could be the hinge to your destiny. But you didn't know it. You didn't know it. You were just you were just following God, following the ark, as it were. You were just doing what God told you to do in that moment. But in in that small obedience were the seeds of incredible influence. There are so many examples. I just want to give you one, and it's about Mary the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, tells a story about when Gabriel came to her and saw her. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came into her and said, Hail thou art highly favored the Lord is with thee. She was obedient to God in her life. That didn't mean that she had a halo over her head. It meant that she, she was not just a Christian. She was a very committed. She had God's favor upon her life. Blessed art thou among women. It didn't mean that she was coming between us and God or she was co-redeemer with Christ. It doesn't mean that. It means she, she had the touch of God upon her life. And when she saw him, that is the angel, she was troubled. Don't miss this. She was troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind. There are two other times in the Gospel of Luke when she, she, she put things in her mind. I, I think this is one reason God chose her is because of her thought life. She was filled with the Word of God. You read Luke 1. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said... Under her, fear not. This is so kind of the Lord to remove this fear, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and thou shalt be called the he. I'm sorry, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. Now watch this. Then said Mary unto the angel, 
How shall this be? Okay, well, all right. How's this going to happen? See, that, that's our question. How's this going to happen? And the Lord tells her, Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, God's going to do this, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is a sixth month with her who shall, who was called barren. For with God, Luke one thirty seven, nothing shall be impossible. That word of encouragement again, this is not impossible with God. Sometimes we skip over this verse. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid. The word handmaid means it's the lowest female servant. It was really a female slave. The handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. She acknowledged her her relationship with the Lord and said, I'm I'm like your handmaid. Be it unto me according to, to the word of God. Some, some people believe it was at that very moment, and I say this with great sacredness and tenderness, that, that the Holy Spirit of God impregnated her at that moment. The high, listen, the highest privilege of her life was on a very common day as she was walking in obedience and submitted and submitted herself to the will of God, even by the indication of how she referred to herself with handmaid. Good friends, listen, you cannot be successful in your life and leave God out. You can't. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. And God told Israel, he said, look, I'm going to take you in a path you've never been before. And in verse 5, he said, And by the way, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And God wants to do wonders for you this year. And it may be tomorrow. Things that are hard, that are difficult, that inspire all. Say, how did God do that? And they're going to be unique and customized for you. But you you don't seek the wonder. Israel was just following God when they came to the Jordan. And God parted the Jordan. Mary was just following God. And this is what you do. You just, just follow the Lord. Get a word from God. And do what He tells you to do. I want you to pray with me if you would right now.